Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. How many of you went shopping last Friday? Come on, come on. Some of us, a smattering of us went shopping this past Friday. You know, the day after Thanksgiving has become a holiday of its own. As you know, Black Friday is what it's known as. I I didn't shop this year, but I did look through all the newspaper ads, which, of course, if you know, I was down at my mom's and I saw this, we get this giant roll of newspaper ads. I pull them all out, open up, and as I was going through it, the fact that I was in Tulsa helped me to not go shopping. So that was even more, actually, I'm not a huge shopper anyway. But I saw lots of stuff for sale. TV prices have dropped again. The word on the street is that they're going to drop again after Christmas. We'll see. Uh, there were iPad giveaways. If you spent so much money, you could get a free iPad, which we all know the iPad's not free. Right? It's not free. Sorry to disillusion some of you who did that just for the iPad. But uh, lots and lots of discounts. But can I be just honest with you, just straight with you? Nothing particularly extraordinary. Yeah, you, lots of things, lots of interesting stuff. I mean, you can look at the VR stuff. That's kind of novel. There are various other things that are out there, but... But nothing particularly extraordinary, and since nothing was truly free, it just left me kind of sitting, looking at a bunch of paper, right? I want you to contrast that, that sort of uh, dynamic, that Friday, Black Friday, with another Friday, a few days before Good Friday, if you will. On, on that particular day in Scripture, we see God offering to give you and me, His people, a rare, uncommon gift of incredible worth and value, a gift that tornadoes and earthquakes cannot rob you from, cannot steal from you, a gift that thieves can't steal, banks can't repossess, governments can't tax. I want you to listen to Jesus' words recorded in John 14. And uh, if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can follow on the screen. You can open up your own Bible as we go through the morning because we'll be camping in this passage. But in John 14, listen carefully to what Jesus says. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who's greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you'll believe. I love this passage. I love the verses we're going to look at this morning, some of my favorite per- verses of Scripture. And in these passages, these verses, Jesus is offering his followers then, his followers now, an extraordinary gift. The gift is peace. Peace, notice as verse 27 says, peace of mind, peace of heart. And if you read the verse, verses carefully, you see that it's available to all of us, all of us. We're going to do this morning, we're going to think about Jesus' words in these verses and uh, some of the ones that surround it. We're going to kind of take a journey through this passage, if you will. We're just going to unpack all of what Jesus is saying and apply it to our lives. And my hope is that as we do this, you'll listen carefully, that you'll just hang with me as we work our way through. You'll listen for what the Holy Spirit has to say to you from these verses and that you'll receive an increasing measure from God what He wants to give to you. He wants you to experience His peace. You were made to live in, to experience, to, to be immersed in, if you will, His peace. And it's available to all of us who believe and who will hear 
and embrace what he's calling us to here in this passage. So let's, uh, let's work our way through this passage. And I want to just begin by having you think with me about what peace for the mind looks like. Let's think about that for a moment. You know, if you have peace of mind, your mind is calm, right? It's not constantly racing. There's the absence of mental drivenness if you have peace of mind. Peace of mind could be described as having a settled conscience. It's, it's just everything sort of settled in your mind. and You know who you are, what life's about, who God is. You may not have everything figured out, but you are confident of the one who does. So you have peace of mind. Jesus describes peace of heart as being the part of that gift that he gives us. If you think of what it is to have a, peace, a peaceful heart, it's sort of a relaxed spirit. It's, it's the absence of tension, aggression, the absence of anxiety, just debilitating, immobilizing anxiety. It's, it's a spirit of confident ease. Think about that, confident ease. How common is that in our world? Marketers promote to this kind of stuff all the time in our culture, leading up to Black Friday. I mean, you're one purchase away from having all of that. But you know, the truth of the matter is, these gifts are not available at Walmart, Costco, Amazon.com. They're not available on Good Friday or of Cyber Monday. They're not available anywhere in the world. Listen to what Jesus says. Look at verse 27 in the text. He says, I'm leaving you the gift, peace of mind and heart. And notice what he says. And the peace I give, the kind I'm giving you, is a gift the world cannot give. Repeat that part of it with me, if you would is a gift the world cannot give. That's what Jesus says about it. And the world doesn't have it. One of the challenges for many in our world is, and even many of us who are Christians, is we don't believe that. We don't just accept what Jesus says at base value, and so we chase after it all these other places, thinking, if I can just buy this, or if I can just go to this place... Jesus is just making clear in the text that that the only peace that our world has to offer is symbols of peace and slogans and scenic places where maybe there's a sense of peace because it's quiet, it's still, it's, it's remote, those kinds of things. And it's not that those things are bad, it's just that they don't fill completely. I was worrying on this, I kept thinking about Jesus and how he had a pattern of retiring to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and to be still. And what is the Garden of Gethsemane? It's a scenic place in his day. It's a quiet place where he could go and kind of get away from the crowds and get away from the hucksters all around him and the the military that was surrounding the city and sort of filling its streets. And he'd just go to the Garden of Gethsemane and get away from it. It It was a grove of trees and But what we see in that garden is that scenic places that the world provides can unpredictably lose any semblance of peace because they're not the source of peace. Let me illustrate my point this way. You remember why Jesus brought 
this whole subject in John 14 up to his disciples. Do you remember why? If you're following me on the journey, verse 28, you see. Jesus says, remember what I told you. Notice the next phrase. I am going away. Jesus' disciples were about to be confronted with Jesus' betrayal, arrest, beating, and it was all going to begin, of all places, in a peaceful garden. Violence was going to break out in a a place where usually peace reigned. They were going to be confronted with Jesus' crucifixion, his death. They were going to face disillusionment, confusion, and fear, and doubt, and uncertainty, and loneliness, like, unlike anything they'd ever experienced before. And so Jesus is just in this text, he's just warning them that all of this was going to begin in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so Jesus wanted to remind them of something. If you look at the passage, look at verse 28, he says, I'm going away. He reminds him of this promise. I will come back to you again, he says. I'm not going away permanently. I will come back to you again. Sunday morning, you drop your toddler off in Wildwoods in the children's ministry, and they don't know all the other little kids, and so you drop them off in there. What do you tell them as you're leaving? You've been through the drill, right? Daddy, Mommy loves you. I'm going to be gone for a little bit. We're going to go out in the big room with the grown-ups, and we're going to sing a song or two, and we're going to listen to a guy get up and put us to sleep. And, and, and we're going to do all this stuff, and, and then we're going to come back. We're, we're leaving you for just a little bit, but we'll be back. And this is a traumatic time for some children, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, it, just those words just stops the crying always, right? No, no it doesn't. In fact, Lori and I, we, we had a song that we used to sing we always come back. We always come back. Your mama comes back, actually. She never would forget you. It's a long song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What would happen if you left grandma or grandpa with them, though? Don't they kind of calm down a little bit, generally speaking? Well, depending on grandma and grandpa, maybe not. But maybe, <laughs> maybe a cherished aunt or uncle or some, you know, somebody that they really know well. The, the crying usually, it, it fades because there's a little more peace of spirit that settles in, right? The, the mind stops racing, the spirit calms down. Figuratively speaking, that's what God has done for all of his disciples past and present. Jesus can promise us peace in this passage. He can tell his disciples just before they're going to experience some of the most horrific stuff that they could even imagine. They couldn't even grasp what what was about to happen to them and to him. They, They just could not imagine it. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. They probably could have quoted Isaiah 53 word by word. But they still, in their mind and spirit, could not imagine what was going to happen. And Jesus could say to them, Peace I give you, because he was sending someone to help assure that they and we would experience it. Look at John 14, the verses before what we've read already. Look at verse 23. We're going to start there and read to verse 26. Okay? Jesus replies, All who love me will do what I say, and my Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. It would be worth some time just to contemplate that. 
He says, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. We sung about him a few minutes ago. When he sends you the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. And then he goes on and says, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Let me summarize these two passages and all that Jesus is saying here this way. God offers each of us who follow him an extraordinary gift, a gift that is not available on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, It's not available at any store or online location. He offers us an extraordinary gift, and it's found in God's presence. And God's presence has a name, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. And He is Jesus' representative, and He will make His home in the mind and heart of every person who loves and obeys Jesus. And the peace of mind and the peace of spirit that will result with His presence is extraordinary. It's beyond the ability of humans to just describe with words because it comes from God and from God alone. Look at verse 23 one more time. He says, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Just look at the language. We will come and we will make our home. We'll we'll set up residence. Does it say with some of them? With the really good ones? With the ones with all the money? What's he say? With each of them. With each of them. If your mother-in-law said, I'm going to come and make my home with you, would that be a source of celebration? (laughs) Depends, huh? But according to Jesus in John 14, when the Holy Spirit comes to make his home in your heart and my heart, he brings with him peace of mind, peace of spirit, Because that's his nature. It's not your peace. It's his. And you'll experience it, not because you deserve it, but because he's present. There's only one condition for experiencing that peace. Look at verse 23 one more time. We don't like conditions, generally speaking, you and me. We just want, we want the gift. We want the free iPad. I don't want to have to spend $100 to get a free iPad. You know. I don't want to have to you know, do something in order to experience free. That's the way our culture, how we as humans think. But I want you to notice that there is a condition for experiencing God's peace. And it says in verse 23, all who love me, what's he say? Will do what I say. 
all who love me will do what I say. Obedience is the condition. And it's significant to note that he's not talking about perfect obedience because the disciples, as they went on from this moment, did they demonstrate perfect obedience? One word answer on that one. No, not even close. Got John Mark, who's like scared out of his mind. He, he literally flees the scene and he's running naked, buck naked from the garden, just scared to death is what's going on. You got, you got Peter, who hours after this is denying Jesus, they even knew him, and and on and on we could go, working our way through the disciples who, who fled. And the only one you could say was sort of faithful was John the Apostle who hung out with Jesus' mother and some of the other ladies who were near the cross, if you remember the account. But the promise of God's presence and the Holy Spirit's peace that, that, that shields our mind and our spirit from the anxieties of our world is not for those who ignore or disregard Jesus or who adopt a mindset that says, I'm going to live my way, I'm going to call myself a Christian, but I'm going to live however I want, and somehow God's obligated legally to give me peace. Not available for that person. And no amount of complaint or cajoling or criticism of God will change that. just as no amount of whining from your child will change whether you drop them off in wild woods, hopefully, right? Those who love Jesus and do what he says, though, will experience his peace. So, so I want to ask you, as we kind of apply all this to us after we've kind of worked our way through some of these verses, are you needing some more peace in your life? You find yourself in need. And if you're like me, most days I could say, yep. Because the way peace is, it's like it comes into my life and then I feel good in the morning after my devotional time and then I get going and life starts happening and you're getting smacked from stuff all day long. And the temptation is to not live in that peace and walk moment by moment with the Holy Spirit through life. What is the, what is the temptation? It's like I start trying to grab a hold of the wheel and redirect this thing and changing knobs on the dashboard, and I'm trying to push buttons, and I'm trying to shout things into submission. I'm this is, this is, is this not the way life happens? And the Holy Spirit, who is gentle and kind and long-suffering, and patient. Is that an environment he wants to hang out in? Not if you've read Scripture. If we had time this morning, we could go to the, the picture that Jesus paints of the Holy Spirit as a dove. And I don't know if you've been, spent any time with a dove or not, but you raise your voice and the dove kind of goes, whoop! They just sort of fly off. They'll come back. When things calm down, when invited. In many ways, the Holy Spirit is the same way. Sometimes I literally drive him away by the way I behave, the things I say. You ever done that? What's the solution to that? 
when you and I realize that we've done that in that moment. It's just to step back and kind of regroup spiritually and apologize to the Holy Spirit and invite him to come back. And he will because he's good and he's patient. He's long-suffering and he knows we're but dust. It's the same spirit prompted Jesus to say to a woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Looks at the accuser and says, where are your accusers? There are none. Huh. I don't accuse you either. Just, just go and sin no more. Same spirit that prompted Jesus to heal the sick, to love the downtrodden, to die on a cross for you. And the peace of mind and heart that he wants to give you is an extraordinary gift that's available to you and to me. If we'll just orient our lives toward doing what Jesus asks us to do. And then live in a state of expectant asking. Holy Spirit, fill me. I leak. Fill me. So we want to invite you to ask yourselves this morning, am I doing what Jesus says to do? Are there things in my life right now that I know Jesus has asked me not to do this? It's clear in Scripture, or it's clear from the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I should not be involved in this relationship. I should not be behaving in this way. I shouldn't be doing this. Are are you in a place this morning that the Holy Spirit is just saying, stop that? And he hasn't really shouted it out at you because that's not his nature. His nature, if you read Scripture, is to whisper. But we drown him out with our lives. And he's, maybe this morning he's raised his voice because he's speaking here a little bit. And he's saying, will you just, will you just stop that? Just do what I ask you to do. Some of us, maybe that's the path to peace today. It's to do what Jesus said to do. Stop making excuses. Stop doing our own thing. Maybe some of us this morning, what we really need to do, and the thing he's been asking us, he's asking us to, to receive Jesus, to surrender our lives to him, to receive him into us so that the Holy Spirit can take up residence right in here. It's interesting. Some of us know about Jesus we got him right here. But the Holy Spirit wants to be here, right here. wants to be inside of you, where he can affect your body, soul, spirit, mind, emotions, everything about you. Have you humbled yourself before God in that way, asking him, fill me, cleanse me, make me yours, Father? You humble yourself like that, peace is an extraordinary gift that God promises to give to all, all who approach him that way. We're going to pray about all of that in just a moment, but I'm going to close with this thought. How many of us make promises to children, to our children, that we have absolutely no intention of keeping? 
know, we're entering the Christmas season. If you would like peace in your home, here's a little public service announcement. Don't tell your child, your, your little girl, that you're getting her a Barbie doll playhouse if you're not getting her a Barbie doll playhouse. That will not go well for you. Don't tell your teenager you're going to get him a car if you're not going to get him a car. Don't tell, you, I mean, I'm just telling you the obvious, right? We know this. If you and I, if you and I know the importance of keeping our promises in relationships like that, how much more will our loving Heavenly Father keep the promises that He makes to us? Do you really think that it's his nature to set us up by making promises like this that he has no intention of keeping? Is that really the God that you think died on a cross for you? Of course not. The only condition is that we'll obey him, that we'll orient our lives in that direction. And we'll live in a state of humble submission to him as best we can, given our many shortcomings and the environment in which we live. And if we'll do that, the promise is he'll make peace of mind and spirit available. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer this morning. I'm going to pray that that God will help you to experience more of his peace and that you'll rest in Jesus' promises that you'll receive more of the Holy Spirit, that you'll walk in obedience. And my encouragement to you is if there's some step of obedience that you need to take today, my encouragement to you is to find somebody before you leave here today. You, obviously, you can come down here. We can pray for you about that but afterwards. But specifically, I just encourage you to find somebody that you can say, I need to do this. It doesn't have to be me. It can be anybody. Because there's a little level of accountability just verbalizing it. And God knows what you and I verbalize and commit ourselves to. I think he'll honor that. Maybe you'll just walk out the door with a little more peace because of that too. Okay? Let's bow our heads and pray and ask him for this, and then we'll, we'll head out today. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you have treated us better than our sins deserve. You died on a cross for us. You purchased our pardon And you have made the choice that in spite of our many shortcomings and failings, if we'll endeavor to do what you say, that you will come and make your home with each of us. That you'll fill us with your spirit. And that with your spirit comes peace of mind, peace of heart, and a whole lot more. Life, eternal life, hope the capacity to look beyond ourselves and think of the needs of others and and so much more. We just want to acknowledge before you this morning, Lord, that almost all of us live at a pace of life where we're, we're just, we're not listening as well as we need to listen to you. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill us because you're good, because of your promise, Lord Jesus. We commit ourselves to endeavoring to walk in your ways, 
Father, you know the things that you've been convicting any of us here about that we've been resistant to obeying you. This morning, we just lay down our, our defenses. We just lay aside um, our arguments with you, and we humble ourselves and ask for strength from you to do the right thing, whatever that is. Help us to walk in obedience, to do as you would have us do, Jesus, if you were in our shoes, in our place, in our home, in our job, that we might experience peace and that your kingdom might advance in every sphere of relationships we have. Lord, we just ask that you would fill us with more of your spirit. So even those of us who have been trying to do this and understand the promise of your word, we need more of you. We need more of you. You promise that you never leave us, you never forsake us. So God, I ask for that, for more of your spirit for every single person here. Help us not just to feel your peace now, but help us to rest in your promises and experience your peace tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Help us to live with an awareness that you want to dwell within us every moment of every day, every place we go, every relationship we're in, whether it's a good one or a bad one or a difficult one, you want to be with us. And if we'll learn to listen, be still in spirit from you, with you, that you'll guide us. That's what we need, and that's what our world needs. Thank you, God, that you hear our prayers. Thank you for the extraordinary gift of Jesus and the peace that only he, by way of the Holy Spirit, can give us. May it rest on us and in us. We'll rejoice to be your children. Would you go with us now, Father, as we leave this place, as we go about our various lives? Help us to not just do life, but help us to spread your peace everywhere we go by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's our request. And we lift it together in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, Amen. Amen. Bless you all.